When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two defenders in Jordan 9. Steve Cook sees the headlines, drives it for goal, spilt, and Ake has won it joy! Nathan Ake stands it home, and the Cherries have surely completed an unthinkable turnaround. It's Bournemouth 4, Liverpool 3. Welcome to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. I'm Sean Barker. And I'm Sam Davis. And this is episode 50. Sam, we've reached the half century. Helmets off, bat in the air, polite applause. (laughs) Not sure if that was hand claps or just a bunch of nudists sitting down. But anyway... We've had a little time now to get our heads around our ninth place spot in the Premier League. And in this show, we're aiming to celebrate our wonderful season, get your opinions on the 16-17 campaign, plus we're going to look forward to the new season too. And new kits as well, Sean. Surely only days away. Cannot wait. Now, as you've probably seen on Twitter, we'll also be giving you the results of the Back of the Net End of Season Awards too. We've got nine categories, a shed load of votes to count through, but we finally calculated the winners. Some results are hardly surprising, but others less so. Surprising results seems to be, Sam, the flavour of the moment in the UK, so I read. (laughs) Plus, the Premier League fixtures for next season have also been recently revealed. And Bournemouth will be travelling to West Brom on the first day of our third top flight campaign. And yes, there are 38 fixtures that we were expecting. But now we've had a chance to look at it closely. We analyse which months will potentially be fruitful for the Cherries. Now, throughout the show, we'll be bringing you our end-of-season review as we bring you the highs and lows of the season. So, let's begin with what happened over the first two months of the season. And we start way back in August 2016. Now, disclaimer, I had a bad foot, okay? That's why. That's why it went wide, okay? That's why. So for the first game of the season, with Sean back in the UK, we were invited onto the pitch to do dizzy penalties, spin 12 times and try to hit the bar. Sean was millimetres away and yes, I shanked it wide. Anyway, onto proper football. Yes, Reds, Manchester United are back today. We beat Bournemouth 3-1, 3-1, three goals on the road, three points, top of the league, all that sort of stuff. West Ham 1, Bournemouth 0, Dom, go on. Um, you know what, mate, it was an ugly game. You know, it was a poor, poor game. Brilliant choice by Sky to play it again. But no, you know what, we won at the end of the day. Three games in, we've, owned, we've, we've got our first point of the Premier League season and... Quite frankly, we were heading on for three points, our first win of the Premier League season, until we bottled it, 93rd minutes. Quite frankly, Crystal Palace, pressing, 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 great. If we were, if Boric were in form today, we could have lost 3-4-1. So a loss to Man United on the opening day of the season, losing at the Olympic Stadium, or the London Stadium, and then a draw at Crystal Palace. But then it was West Brom at home. And there was a certain striker who was back on the score sheet. Oh. 
so that was our first win of the season and the next game well it didn't exactly get any easier as we played Manchester City at the Etihad and got pummeled 4-0 but surely the EFL Cup will provide Bournemouth with some respite well I went along and I didn't get in there was a ticket debacle and about a thousand people were standing there 15 minutes into the game couldn't get in the stadium awful situation and to top it all we were sent crashing out and lost 3-2. So, back to Premier League action, and it was Everton at home. No repeat of that thrill from last season, but there was a very special goal. Stanislas! He just loves playing against Everton! That is a fine finish! And it really was. Right foot, top left-hand corner, giving Bournemouth the second home win of the season. Well, the good form continued. Two all draw with Watford at Vicarage Road. Felt we probably shaded that one. And then we went into the international break with confidence. But would the confidence continue when we return? Well, we met Hull City at Dean Corps. And to be honest, I thought it was going to be one of those close games. Didn't turn out that way. Sanistas with the free kick. So unlucky. They're turned in by Daniels. It is a wonderful start here for Bournemouth. This last with the Bournemouth free kick. Whips in towards Daniels, and it's turned in, and it was Steve Cookerfink on his landmark day. Chance will fall here for Junior Stanislas. Taken with a plot. Bournemouth lead here by three goals to one. Chance here. There's number four from Junior Stanislas. King with the ball in here. Daniels, it's Gosling, it gets better and better for Foreman, 6-1, an outstanding day for them. Oh, what a day that was, and then we played Spurs at home and got a point, we held them to a nil-nil, so the first quarter of the season gave us 12 points, not a bad start eh? Okay, folks, so that was part one of our end of season review and uh, good to think back to the start of the season, particularly for me, because I was actually in the UK and got to go with Sammy to the Valencia preseason friendly and then um, was also there with Sam in the North Stand for the United game, enjoyed the picnic, didn't enjoy the result, but obviously I particularly enjoyed the halftime penalties. Hey, I'm glad you didn't say Valencia. Uh, of course, we're playing them again next preseason. <laughs> but yeah, I, oh, did, yes. I did not enjoy that penalty because I was feeling quite confident. I was actually closing my eyes. I thought, right, I'm going to hit the bar. And I just completely shanked it. But it's quite interesting how the season developed. Sean, you've been looking at some stats, how, how many points we had this time which was 12 after nine games and how did that compare to 2015-16 yeah the the first season in the premier league it was eight points so we were four behind and we were sitting fourth from bottom with Sunderland rooted at the bottom Aston Villa Newcastle and then us and then just above us were Norwich so yeah and I guess yeah we were we were doing a little bit better than we did in our first year and I think for me the the result which was a good sign was the Spurs game yeah. because we'd been blown away by Spurs the season before and I remember we were talking before that game saying this is a barometer of have we improved on last year or are we just going to get whitewashed by all the top sides and that nil nil for me felt really important yeah so leading up to that beforehand was the six one against Hull two against Watford and the one nil against Everton as we said all that coming after the Preston ticket debacle so surely oh. that Spurs result would stand us in good stead for the second quarter of the season So our second quarter of the season took us up to Boxing Day and we had a fair few difficult fixtures including Chelsea, Southampton, Liverpool and Arsenal but we also had the likes of Leicester who, well, they weren't performing too great, Burnley, Stoke and Sunderland and Middlesbrough. So surely there were going to be some points to be garnered here. Here's how it played out. (laughs) 
century Doing something mean to it Do it better than anybody you ever seen Do it scream from the haters Got a nice ring to it I guess every superhero need his theme music Now Ramirez Looking to make a real impact here Sayori is forward Ramirez is going to go on his own here It's a beauty From Gaston Ramirez From defence to attack In the blink of an eye Two to pick out One of them is Negredo And it's down for Danny Middlesbrough at the double And that doesn't happen very often Not this season anyway no, it doesn't, and that was annoying. We lost 2 0 to Middlesbrough, and then the Northeastern theme continued as Sunderland came to town. We thought we could get something out of that given their dire league position. We were all over them, but somehow managed to lose 2 1. A certain Jermaine Defoe scoring the winning penalty for the Black Cats. I wonder where he's going to be playing his football next season. So after that, it was a trip to the Bet365 Stadium to face Stoke City. And with Adam Smith out, this gave Chelsea loanee Nathan Ake his first start for AFC Bournemouth. So he was looking to make somewhat of an impression. Well, he did that all right. Kicked in by Sanislas towards Ake! Bournemouth hit the France. They deserve it. And it was a winning goal too, so we beat Stoke City 1-0. Next, it was to the Emirates and a dodgy back pass from Francis, letting Alexis to make it 1-0. And then we did equalise with a penalty, but Arsenal's quality showed and they ended up winning 3-1. And, well, our run of fixtures didn't get any easier as Liverpool, who were chasing the title with Chelsea, they were up there and they were coming to Dean Court in good form. Bournemouth, pretty shaky. This was only going to play out one way, wasn't it? Well, by half-time, we thought so. 2-0 to Liverpool, but then Callum Wilson managed to pull one back from the spot, although Emre Shan made it 3-1 to Liverpool, and they looked to be coasting away with the lead with about 20 minutes to go. Until... fans and the world media going nuts over that one. Six days later, it was off to Turf Moor as Bournemouth looked to get another three points and went down to Burnley. So, what of Leicester on a Tuesday night under the floodlights?
Mark Pugh really was too good for them. What a right-footed strike that was into the top left-hand corner. And Bournemouth had beaten the Premier League champions. So we were feeling pretty buoyant ahead of Southampton's visit. Yes, it was El Clasico on a Sunday live on Sky. And Nathan Ake was keeping up the scoring form. Scored early with a diving header to make it 1-0. But after that, Bournemouth just, well... We just completely switched off. Southampton dominated and the bragging rights returned to St Mary's. Up the road to Hampshire, 3-1 to the red and white striped side, meaning that Bournemouth weren't in great shape ahead of their visit to Stamford Bridge on Boxing Day. Sadly, it wasn't a repeat of our first season in the Premier League. This time, we went down 3-0. It was a good early performance from Bournemouth, but then the class of the then Premier League champions certainly did show. So that was halfway through the season. There was one match to go in 2017. That was Swansea. But after the Chelsea game, we were halfway through the season. Bournemouth were in 12th place with 21 points. Not bad at all. So what would the second half of the season bring? More later. So there we go. And later on, we will continue with the New Year's Eve game against Swansea onwards as we bring you our review of the season. But now it's time to bring the first half of our Back of the Net End of Season Awards. And to mirror the official AFC Bournemouth Awards, Sam's just in the closet now. He's coming out of the closet wearing a terrible, terrible shirt, much like Mark McAdam. Well, you've been patiently waiting, but the time has finally arrived. It's the 2016-17 Back of the Net End of Season Awards, the only awards that take into account every single AFC Bournemouth game this season. I mean, the Leicester game at the end of the season didn't exactly produce much, but had there been a worldie or an amazing save or even an assist of the season, it wouldn't have got voted in in any other awards, but it would have with ours. But basically what happened was we put the word out on Twitter and Facebook about the award categories, and then we've shortlisted your top four answers for each one. Now, these went onto our website, and then you've been voting in your hundreds. Seriously, I've been on Microsoft Excel this evening working out the percentages, and it's taken me an age. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts for everyone that actually went onto our website and submitted their details to us. We've got a really accurate view now of all of the category winners and well the results are pretty interesting in this first half we're going to get through four awards then later in the show we will conclude with the final five awards so here they are so firstly it is assist of the season in joint third place with 11 percent of the result was Ryan Fraser to Steve Cook at Liverpool at home and Junior Stanislas to Fraser, that great team goal, Swansea away. In second place with 13% was Lewis Cook to Mark Pugh, that's Middlesbrough at home. The long sweeping low ball to the left where Pugh cut in and then curled into the far post. But an overall winner with 65% of the vote was Lewis Cook to Junior Stanislas, Burnley at home. Lewis Cook, Stanislas has made the run and he's onside. Stanislas shoots and scores against his former club. What a cool finish that was. He made it look so easy. Now, poll number two was best atmosphere. And even though we had four shortlisted, no one voted for one of them. So it was between Liverpool at home, Manchester United away and Southampton away. Southampton away came in at third with 4% of the vote. Manchester United away in second at 31%. And then Liverpool at home, that incredible 4-3, was voted the best atmosphere 
with 65% of the vote. Poll number three was best stadium visited. Last season, this went to Newcastle United, but sadly they weren't part of it this season. Maybe they'll form part of the next one, eh? But they were narrowed down, and in fourth place with 7% was the Etihad. In third place with 22% was the Emirates. In second place with 35% was Old Trafford. But in first place, shading it with 36% was Anfield. Steve Cook with a throw. Swift goal is by Daniels. And back in by Arter. And it's finished by Josh King. Bournemouth bring problems for Liverpool again. They strike Lake again. And Bournemouth are level at Anfield. Now, poll number four was save of the season. Arta Boric was instrumental in many interesting moments in the 2016-17 season, but he also pulled off some blinding saves as well. These were your votes. In fourth place, with 4% of the vote, was the point-blank save from Ujoa for Leicester at home. And then a joint second and third place, firstly, the... Nathaniel Klein tip over against Liverpool, the slightest of touches preventing a worldie from the ex-Southampton fullback. Also Lukaku's header at home, that was a point-blank range where he got down low to his right and managed to palm it away. However, in first, with a massive 75% of the vote, probably more because it symbolised the turnaround in AFC Bournemouth's season, was the Zlatan penalty save at Old Trafford. Adam Smith, Smith. It's his arm, but it's so close to him. Here goes Latan, and Boris makes a brilliant save. Martial follows up, and Bournemouth have survived. It's a good save, it's a really good save. So that's the first four polls out of the way. Later in the show, you'll be getting the results for the most improved player, match of the season, goal of the season, player of the season, and supporter of the season. Stay tuned. So there you go, Sean. Those were the first four awards and then five to come later on in the show. So the first one was assist of the season. There were a number of great assists, including that amazing team goal at Swansea. But the winner, as I said, was Lewis Cook. with, And that came late on in the season, didn't it? That sweeping ball through to Stanislas. And Probably the most calmest finish you'll ever see in the history of football. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that? That was my pick, yeah, actually. Um, I just loved the vision of Lewis Cook to spot it. And then, and also credit, because the assist as well, it's also got to be the guy that's receiving the ball, has made a great run. And I know it wasn't part of the assist, but the finish, oh, love that one. Yeah, really good. Now, in terms of the best atmosphere stroke, best match attended away, uh, these results are symptomatic of our uh, performance in the games, maybe. Because Southampton, it wasn't the best, but hey, we drew at St Mary's, not bad. Um, That draw at Manchester United was obviously brilliant. But then the Liverpool at home... I mean, the atmosphere inside the stadium at the time was absolutely electric. And... It was rightfully voted 
the best atmosphere for 2016-17. What was it like where you were? Yeah, that best atmosphere in my living room was also that game as well. So, which I'm sure the neighbours would probably attest to. Now, um, I think slightly controversial, Sam, with the save of the season. Um, Yeah, as, as great as a penalty save is and it's important, for me, the Klein tip over was I could watch that all day, absolutely all day, because to get his finger on that, he had to get his footwork right, he had to get his arm up, he had to stretch, buddy, blah. For me, that was hands, hands. well, I wouldn't say hands down, it was hands up. Should have been the, should have been the winner, but yeah. hey, I, I'm not voting A. Yeah, thank goodness for that. But no, I, uh, I do agree with you, actually. I think the Klein tip over should have won it. I mean, in terms of the uh, symbolic nature of that save against Latan, one, it was Latan, two, it was at Old Trafford, and three, it turned our season. Yes, it was a good save. It was a good save anyway, low down to the right, strong arm. However, uh, a goalkeeper's half expected to save a penalty. I know it's in the favour of the striker, but um, that Klein tip over, though, I mean, Klein would never usually shoot from there, never in a million billion years. Uh, Boric hadn't even set his feet. And when you look at it on the replay, the fingertip save to palm it onto the bar was incredible. Um, now, best stadium, Sean, uh, it was Anfield or Old Trafford? But Anfield just scraped through. And I, c- I can't believe the new den didn't get an option, though. Oh, I know. <laughs> How harsh is that? Oh, what an awful game that was. But yeah, Liverpool uh, just about pipped Old Trafford. Uh, Newcastle United, of course, they're going to be back next season. So maybe that will be winning the title next time round for Best Stadium. Who knows? However, now it's time for the end of season review to continue so we're heading into 2017 now but there was one match left of 2016 and that was when Bournemouth travelled to Swansea Following defeat to Chelsea on Boxing Day, the Cherries took on a Swansea side without a confirmed manager due to the sacking of Barr Bradley just months into his tenure. A fantastic performance saw a comfortable 3-0 victory with Afobe, Fraser and King scoring the goals to take the side up to 10th in the table. Perfectly placed finish. Josh King scores against Swansea City again to wrap up the points for Bournemouth. The Cherries then returned home to the Vitality Stadium for what turned out to be a very special, if ultimately frustrating, game on a Tuesday night under lights. Arsenal were the visitors and for around 70 minutes you could probably put the performance up there as one of the greatest ever from a Bournemouth side. The lads in red and black were destroying the visitors all over the park. In particular, Ryan Fraser, who was making Hector Bellerin look like some of the defenders Bournemouth were used to playing against back in the League Two days. Our boys were in a comfortable and commanding 3-0 lead thanks to Daniels, Wilson and the wee man. However, as Bournemouth seemed to give up the attacking football that had caused so many problems to instead revert more defensively, so the tide changed. Sanchez pulled one back and then quickly afterwards Perez made it squeaky bum time. Simon Francis then saw red on 82 minutes before Giroud broke our hearts in the 92nd minute to equalise. It left a strange feeling after the game of what could have been frustration, disappointment, anger, but also pride at just how much we had bossed them. Unfortunately, the collapse that occurred in this game was going to take a wee while to get over. For both the fans and apparently the players. The FA Cup third round tie away at Millwall should have been a great opportunity to banish the negativity from the end of the Arsenal game. 
but a team with 11 changes never looked like competing and so an embarrassing 3-0 defeat left us further in the lurch. They barely cross halfway some of these players. They're absolutely exhausted. David Worrell plays it forward. Ferguson into the box. Can he wrap it up? He shoots. He scores! James To make matters worse, due to an injury crisis, Nathan Ake, who had been tremendous for us at both ends of the pitch, was then recalled from his loan spell back to Chelsea, just so he could keep their bench warm. And then a disastrous run of results through the rest of January and February saw the side lose five of the following six games with the only non-defeat being a two-all draw at home to Watford, to leave us all looking worryingly over the shoulder towards the relegation zone which started to appear on the horizon. And to make matters worse, during this run, Callum Wilson suffered another terrible blow as he once again seriously injured his knee, this time during training, which would rule him out for the rest of the season. More later. So I don't know about you, Sean, but I, I think you may have pulled the short straw by covering that third quarter of the season. I mean, it started off well enough, didn't it, with Swansea? But then after that Arsenal game where the first 70 minutes were great and the last 20 minutes were awful, after that, we had that catastrophic run of results, as you said. What was it? Millwall? Hull? You know, we drew to Watford, uh, Crystal Palace, Everton. <laughs> rubbish yeah it was it was dark times it was like if it was a novel then that quarter of our season I reckon would have been written by George R.R. Martin of the Game of Thrones it was just so dark (laughs) and so many awful things happened it was and it was symptom well the final game in your sequence that you covered there was that West Brom match uh, where Boric punched it into his own net. And I think that pretty much summed up January and February for AFC Bournemouth. But with Man United around the corner, could it be a turning point? Well, I didn't think so. The start of March didn't look like giving us any let-up on the appalling run of results as we headed up to Manchester to take on United at Old Trafford. And when Rojo scored in the 23rd minute, you felt the floodgates were going to open as the home side had put a huge amount of pressure on Arda Boric and the Bournemouth defence. However, the pole in our goal was standing firm and when King scored the equaliser in the 40th minute from the penalty spot, you wondered whether we could hold on. And then, one of the most talked about incidents of any Premier League game this season occurred between Ibrahimovic and our very own Tyrone Mings. It's Zlatan of the Day, Man United versus Bournemouth. Throw of the Day? Knock, knock. Who's there? I'm Zlatan. Who the hell are you? Karma of the Day? I'm Zlatan. Who the hell are you? Ref! If I fall over, the ref will never know I stamped on him. Ah! Play on! I'm Minx the Merciless. Who the hell are you? Elbow of the day. I'm Slatkin's elbow. Who the hell are you? Dive of the day. I'm Sermon. Who the hell are you? Ashley Young, ref of the day. The ref could send Minx off for the head stamp or Slatkin for the elbow. Oh dear, he sent Sermon off for a push that wouldn't have even knocked over a five-year-old child. Having spent most of the first half niggling at each other, shortly before the ref blew for the half-time oranges, a supposed stamp from Mings was missed by the ref, but not Zlatan, who shortly afterwards gave a strong elbow to the face of Mings in retaliation. Andrew Sermon, who had been booked earlier in the first half, then shoved the big Swede, 
He hit the ground like a sack of Swedes from the supermarket, and so our captain of the day, Sermon, saw red. However, ridiculously, Slatan got away with his indiscretion without also seeing a red card. With only 10 men, the Cherries put up an incredible barrier to hold out the Red Devils, with Boric the star with a string of saves, including keeping out a penalty from who else but Zlatan. According to the Sky graphic, Ibrahimovic has scored three, two to the right, one to the left. He's also missed one to the left of the goal, so you'd say he's going to the right. Come on, Arta, come on, come on. Oh, he saved it! Oh my god! Oh my actual god! It felt like a victory at the final whistle, and this result finally banished the Arsenal capitulation as the lads then embarked on a run of five games without defeat, including victories over West Ham and Swansea, and draws with the Saints away, and then another memorable night for the Cherries occurred at Anfield. Liverpool drew with Bournemouth, that is now... One point against them. How many goals have we conceded against them? Far too many. Six goals. Six goals. We've scored five and have won one point against them. Absolutely terrible. Defeats against Chelsea and Spurs followed, but to be honest, these were not viewed as the vital games to pick up points to maintain our Premier League status. They would come in the last five games of the season, starting with a home game against Middlesbrough. Here comes Daniels. Well, this wasn't the plan, but they've worked it brilliantly. 4 0. A crushing victory for Bournemouth. And a very nicely taken goal in the end from Charlie Daniels. A comprehensive 4 0 victory then saw us travel right up north to take on a struggling Sunderland side who knew defeat would send them down, whereas a victory would mean the Cherries break the 40 point barrier. A good clearance as well. And on it goes to Fraser. Chance here. And he lays it on. And there's the goal that could well send Sunderland down, scored by Josh King. They left it late, but the guy who couldn't stop scoring popped up in the 88th minute to snatch the win and mean this fixture would not happen again for at least one season as we wave goodbye to the Black Cats. The month of May started with a pretty scrappy two-all draw at home to Stoke, which guaranteed Premier League football next season, before the lads saw out the remainder of this campaign with a 2-1 victory at home to Burnley and then a 1-1 draw away to Leicester to seal an unbelievable ninth place finish. A truly incredible season packed with highs and lows and ending with the highest league position ever achieved by a Bournemouth side. How can they possibly top that next season? How will we possibly top it next season? Well, over the past few weeks, we've been asking for your thoughts online. And these are your opinions of the 2016-17 season. Hi guys, Jamie here, bringing my season review. Overall, it's been a very good season, having accumulated more points and scoring more goals than we did in our first season in the Premier League. Uh, We've had ups and downs throughout the season with some historic games like Liverpool at home springs to mind. Um, we also had patches in the season where the team being in free fall, sliding towards the relegation zone, conceding lots of goals. In general, uh, we we need to utilise the transfer market to concede less goals, basically buying players who will help us concede less goals because we've got the firepower to push us on and score goals. We've always had that, so if we can tighten up at the back, we'll pick up more points. Um, 46 points generally wouldn't get you into the top 10 in most seasons so the club have to strive towards 50 points plus maybe 50 55 points um to consistently be a top 10 club in the future um and next season that's why i'm going to judge us on rather than position more towards how many points we get and we need to have a real good crack at the cup because if we all want to go on that european tour i think that might be the route
Hi, it's Mark from Fair Oak. Um, just my thoughts on the season. I thought we had a fantastic year, much better than I anticipated, to be honest. Um, the style of football we played has stayed great, uh, probably better, in fact, and the results have improved. And um, really, we, I, I can't see us ever improving on the on the position that we got this year. But I've been saying that for the last four or five years, so who knows? Um, I would like to get another centre-back or two in. I think we're really short in defence still. Uh, we were one Steve Cook injury away from disaster all season, as far as I can see. Not sure our case the answer, but wouldn't say no to him. Um, I do think we'll be comfortably mid-table next year. I just hope we can chuck in a decent cup run. Um, and I hope Eddie sort of takes him a little bit more seriously that next year. Cheers. Thanks for all the uh, podcasts this year, guys. It's been fantastic. See you. Bye. Hi, this is Patrick Devitt from Chicago, Illinois. I wanted to thank Sam, Sean, and Michael for all their hard work this past season creating and producing the episodes of Back of the Net. I would say that this past season was a huge success for Eddie and the boys, and we should be in good position to improve once again in 2017. It was great to see the otherworldly second half of the season from Josh King, the remarkable rebirth of Arthur Boric, and the dominant season from Steve Cook. As for 2017-18, I'd like to think we can finish between 8th and 10th, Looking for big things from Lewis Cook, especially after his unbelievable performance in the Under-20 World Cup for England. Thanks, boys. Up the cherries. Sam and Sean, uh, great job on the podcast this season. Uh, this is Jeff Zzz from Southbourne. Um, I managed to get to all the Premier League games again this season. Uh, highlights for me were getting points at Old Trafford and Anfield and also the home win against Liverpool. Although the absolute highlight was going to Swansea City on New Year's Eve, winning 3-0 and becoming a granddad later that day with young Jacob. Um, Looking forward to next season. Um, Hopefully do it all over again and uh, hopefully see you all out there sometimes. Cheers. This year's season for AFC Bournemouth was uh, very uh, promising and I guess very surprising because I definitely did not expect us to finish ninth place in the Premier League. It was, uh, in my opinion, an incredible season to actually do that. And this will, I think, be our third season in the Premier League now, next season. So uh, I'm very excited to see what happens next season. And I'm hoping to finish uh, higher than ninth. But if we don't, you know, it won't even be a bad season. So, yeah, really appreciate your thoughts of the season. So there's Jeff Barlow there, Jamie Williams. Good to hear from Mark from Fair Oak. And also two of our friends from across the pond. It's Patrick Devitt. And also, got to say a shout out to uh, young 14-year-old Cherries fan, Eric Anderson. Now, he got in touch with us via email and he said, I'm a 14-year-old from Minnesota, USA, and I'm in love with AFC Bournemouth. I've liked them ever since they came to Minnesota for a friendly. I always saw the club's story was intriguing, but never seemed to support them until I met the likes of Harry Arter, Arter Boric, Josh King and Callum Wilson. He said, I found out about the podcast and I absolutely love it. And he also says, I'm wondering if there's any way you can help or contribute. Well, we'll get back to you on that, Eric. But it's great to hear that these tours that we do, what was it, um, Philadelphia the year before that, and we seem to be gaining supporters wherever we go. And wasn't that Minnesota game, that was where the um, goalkeeper chucked the ball in the net, right? And then <laughs> they did the video where they blamed it on the jelly or jam, as we'd say, on his gloves. Do you remember? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I do. I do remember that really well. Also, it was a. Uh, I had a great email from uh, the Polish Cherries. Now, I didn't. I didn't know about this group until I got an email from them, and uh, it was a Where note are they from? just. <laughs> You, are you kidding me? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we had a message saying, just a quick thank you for all your hard work this year, guys. We all love the show and would love it if you could give a special mention, and we'll do this now, to Paul Ski. Now, I don't know if that's your actual name or you just, you're just you called Paul and you've put a ski on the end. But anyway, Paul Ski, Andy, Dave, and Mazza, and you're all in Krakow in Poland. Great to Hello. hear from the Polish Cherries. Um, also, we had some feedback from Matt Callahan, who just wanted to echo his thoughts about the season. He said, ninth place can only be seen as a successful season. 
And surely it must be the very peak of any fan's hopes of expectations at the start of the season. He said, I admit that during our pool run at the start of the year, I was convinced that we were going down. He said he holds his hands up, then he got this badly wrong, but in the end, we were comfortably good enough. He went on to say, I really think that if we keep the squad together, Josh King being a crucial element to this, we can improve again next season. He said, we undoubtedly have more reasons to be optimistic and pessimistic about what lies ahead. I think he meant than pessimistic, but yeah, I completely agree with that, Matt, and who knows what next season will bring. Yeah, we'll just wait and see. Can we keep getting better and better? I think, you know, for me, um, yeah, the season as a whole was, it was a funny one because I, I never really felt like we'd go down. Even when that little rumble of, oh, I always felt like we had enough points. And so, yeah, ultimately, did I think we'd finish as high as we did? No. But um, again, we, I think we learned a lot this year and, Next season, again, you start looking at next season, especially with the fixtures that have just come out, and you start looking at teams. And last night, I um, went out for a curry with my old mate, Rob Frank, who's Sydney Red, who's over Mm. here in Wellington working for a couple of days. And the fixtures came out mid-meal, so we stopped and were analysing. And we were talking about how if we are going to progress and we're going to finish higher than we did, then... We start looking at the fixtures probably a little bit differently to how we have done the last couple of years. And there's different brackets of teams. So you look at the top sides and I think over the last two seasons, let's be honest, we looked at those and went, we're going to get nothing or very little out of the top seven, say. And, you know, we picked up four points from Liverpool, which I think was more than we'd ever imagine but now we go well if we're going to get better we're going to need to pick up points again from the top sides but the teams that are in the bottom six seven eight nine are they now all kind of you have to win those you know that's Mm. that's going to be the interesting thing i think when we look at the fixture breakdown and look at how can we improve next season yeah, it's, um, the Premier League, the top six is a league on its own. So when you think we came third out of the rest, which is pretty damn good, despite the fact that there was a 15-point gap in between Everton and Southampton. So just taking a look at the fixtures, as we said earlier, we're away for our first match, uh, and that's at West Brom. That's August the 12th. Um, December looks a bit of a tricky month. Uh, so we've got Southampton at home. We have got Palace away, Man United away, Liverpool at home, Manchester City away. I mean, this is all before Christmas. Uh, And then after Christmas, we got West Ham United at home and Everton at home. Seven fixtures. Compare that to October, where we've only got three. I mean, I know Christmas is usually a busy time, but seven. That is a lot of... uh, matches just hope we're not going to be plagued by any injuries around that time but I know as you said earlier you know there are 19 other teams in this league and and we've got to play them twice and it doesn't really matter what order the games come in but when you look at our run in Sean it's not too bad well especially our last two fixtures a we got Swansea and Burnley should be hopefully finishing on a high then yeah, and, he, and even the Southampton away, I mean, you know, because of the atmosphere and whatnot, we're going to be up for it. And again, you look at you look at the season and you go, well, you know, if we need to get points at the end of the season, are we going to pick them up? And on paper, without writing teams off just like this, you'd go, we've got a good chance. I compare that to our first year in the Premier League where it was like, man, we need to be done by early April, otherwise yeah. we're in trouble. And that ended up being true didn't it because yeah that's right completely that run of big games and we didn't pick up hardly any points so yeah you certainly look at that and go well yeah it's there's a good chance overall though I'm actually pretty happy I feel like the spacing of the big clubs is is pretty good interestingly just just noticed because we got Brighton away on the 1st of January I'm sure that the championship game we played against Brighton when I, because I was over that year, and I'm pretty sure me and my mate Bomber and old Robin and Scott, we went to Brighton away. Wasn't that on New Year's Day then? Uh, you, you know what? I think 
I think it may well have been. But Sean, I've just got to say thank you to everyone at the Premier League and at AC Bournemouth who've been so considerate. Because I'm just looking at March's fixtures now. 17th, West Bromwich Albion at home. There seems to be a weak gap there. And then we've got Watford away on the following Saturday, leaving March the 24th free, Sean. Are you doing anything that day? Well, look, not to say I've got too much sway amongst the uh, Premier League <laughs> you know, hierarchy, but the day I'm going to be getting married so um, yeah pretty pretty good of them to, to leave it free it's be- I just want to you know Tyrone Mings to come and take his shirt off and run around <laughs> in the wedding party I'm so going to Facebook live that I can't wait um, so <laughs> what are your thoughts then um, on next season I know we've got the end of season awards uh, part two coming up where uh, we'll be talking about a few prized assets that we want to be keeping hold of but obviously Asmir Begovic has put pen to paper Jermaine Defoe as good as done that um are we going to get Nathan Ake well I still I think for me we need I still feel like we need a centre-back and I think we need also a centre-back that can also cover at right back for me as well. Just because there's... If we only bring in one centre-back and Smith gets injured, Frano can play on the right, but then if another centre-back goes down, mm. who do we turn to? So for me, that's where I'd like to see. Are we going to sign Aki? I don't know. I Some people absolutely love him and think he's the, he's the answer. I, I'm a bit... More, I don't know. I still look at back at. I'm not saying he's a terrible player, but I still felt like there were elements of his game that defensively, there was goals that we conceded when he was in the side that I think he struggled with balls over the top and that kind of stuff. So for me, he's not the big answer that's going to solve all our problems. Is John Terry that player? Some people want him, some people don't. For me, you look at what Distan did when he joined as much off the field more than say what he did on the field, but it seemed like he genuinely made a difference to the lads, especially you look at Steve Cook and I think how Steve Cook improved. Mm. I think you can't question John Terry as a defender. And I think there's certainly huge pluses to him coming in, but if it's not him, then yeah, for me, I'd still felt we need a couple of players there. Middle of the park is another area that Lewis Cook has obviously had a sterling end to the season the World Cup winning captain, wow, all that kind yeah. of stuff, Amazing. which, you know, he's going to come back three inches taller. And uh, how was your summer? Oh, yeah, I went and won a World Cup. So mm. feel like he's now ready to hit the ground running. So we've got him, we've got Arta, Gosling, Sermon. Do we need another centre midfielder? Or is Heinemann going to come back and be that player? Yeah, good point. There's still some, I don't know, there's still some questions. Would I like to see an extra one? Probably just to raise the standard. Of the centre midfield, Jack Wilshire, is that a dead in the water now? Mm, could be. Mm, yeah, really, really is very interesting. Well, it's going to be exciting, but it was also an exciting time to be putting the results together for the end of season awards. We have got five votes left, five awards left, and well, these are the big guys. We're going to roll out the red carpet now because here we are. Here's part two. Of the back of the net end of season awards. So we conclude the back of the net end of season awards by bringing out the big guns, the last five votes, and this is number five, and it's match of the season. Now, as mentioned, we asked for your shortlist via Twitter, and interestingly, our 6-1 battering of Hull didn't even make the grade. Now, we did have four options, one of which was the draw at Liverpool, and another was the thrill with Arsenal. Neither of them registered any votes, because it was all about the draw at Man United and the home win over Liverpool. So in second place was the draw at Old Trafford. And with 75% of the vote, Bournemouth 4, Liverpool 3 has been voted 
match of the season. Steve Cook sees the headlines, drives it for goal, spilt, and Ake has won it surely! Nathan Ake stabs it home, and the Cherries have surely completed an unthinkable turnaround. Liverpool haven't lost since August, they might just be about to. Cherries were gone, they were out of sight, but all of a sudden it's them celebrating in the dying embers. It's Bournemouth 4, Liverpool 3. Vote number six, goal of the season. There were four to choose from here, and these included in fourth place, Ryan Fraser versus Swansea, cracking team goal. In third place, Junior Stanislas's strike home to Everton. In second place, Callum Wilson's cheeky flick versus West Brom at home. But in first place, it was a magnificent goal, well taken, and then an excellent finish from a central defender that won player of the season in the official club awards. Of course, Steve Cook versus Liverpool. Your goal of the season. Cherry's looking hungry, Fraser tries to play a cross in, comes back to the box, Cook takes it down! Goodness me! Steve Cook, 3-3! Welsh just set Fraser, of course he was going to be involved again, Ryan Fraser, and his cross fell for Steve Cook, who controlled it and finished it, and the Cherries from the dead in the first half... Vote number seven, and that is most improved player. We had four to pick from, but only three made the grade. In joint second place was Dan Gosling and Junior Stanislas, but first, clocking over 78% of the votes, was last season's Ipswich Loney. It's wee man Ryan Fraser, your most improved player for 2016-17. Into the box, can't get his foot on it. Fraser to set himself, and Ryan Fraser makes another impact for the Cherries by scoring into the bottom right hand corner. And all of a sudden, it's back on again. The wee man's won a penalty, he scored the goal. Finally, number eight, player of the season. We had four players in contention in fourth place was Harry Arter. In third place, with 10% of the vote, was Arta Boric. Clocking 33% of the vote was Josh King, but with a rather unanimous victory, it was Mr Steve Cook who is crowned the 2016-17 Back of the Net Player of the Season. I was a little boy and, and now I'm living that dream and you don't really want it to stop and you know, obviously you want to keep moving and, and keep growing uh, and obviously I've still got targets that I want to meet. The dream was always to play for England uh, so that's obviously still my dream now so whether or not I get there we'll see um, but I hope so. So those were our On The Pitch Awards, but as always, we have a supporter of the year too. Last year, it went to young Cherries fan Felix Brown. So who is the recipient this year? Well, in May, Bournemouth fans held a one-minute applause in the 44th minute against Burnley to mark the passing of one of our most loyal fans. Paul Gethin Willis became known to the club supporters as number 44 as he always wore a full Cherries kit with that number on it. The 40-year-old, one of the Cherries' most recognised terrorist characters who travelled home and away with the club for years through thick and thin, would also wave red and yellow cards whenever the opposition players were booked or sent off. Paul sadly passed away from cancer in early May and he was honoured with a moving crowd tribute just before half-time against the Clarets at the Vitality Stadium. Programme sellers also wore black armbands in tribute to the popular supporter with the Match Day programme also celebrated his life as well. 
hundreds of Bournemouth fans posted messages of condolence on social media. Such an incredible character and he is going to be sadly missed. So, your back of the net supporter of the year for 2016-17 is Mr Paul Gethin-Willis. Well, there we go. I'll always remember that applause on 44 Minutes and I'm sure Paul Gethin-Willis will have been absolutely delighted at our ninth place finish. As for the other awards, well, I think most of the results we could kind of guess. I mean, goal of the season... That went to Steve Cook, and I think it's just the gravitas of the goal because really there were there were probably better strikes there. Junior Stanislas's goal versus Everton, I thought, was a cracking strike. But I think in the moment, Steve Cook's goal was very good. That that registered over fifty percent of the vote. That was huge. Most improved player, Sean Ryan Fraser. He came in after a year uh, a year on loan at Ipswich, and then uh, when he did come on, it was that sort of Liverpool game where. He sort of came into effect, didn't he? And then he's just had this run in the first team from that moment. And he's been astounding. Yeah, and he's now an absolute established Premier League player, isn't he? Like, yeah. you look at our wide guys, and I think we've got great options going wide. But it's hard to look past Fraser now, eh, as a starting wide player. Yeah, completely. So match of the season, yeah, Bournemouth 4, Liverpool 3, 75% of the vote. Um, I was surprised that the Hull game at home didn't even make the shortlist because that was a brilliant game, six goals. Um, and then finally, player of the season, it was always going to be between two. Uh, Arta Boric clocked a few votes as he did uh, in the Supporters Player of the Year, but Steve Cook romped home with that one so well done Steve Cook the back of the net player of the season for 2016-17 yeah totally deserved and maybe we should send it to Gareth Southgate just so he you know be like who who is this guy called Cook oh he needs to he needs to come on Gareth So it has been an incredible season and here at Back of the Net we have brought you the lows but more importantly the highs of an epic season in the Premier League. We hope you've enjoyed the show over the last season and a half since we began. Um, We're looking forward to the summer break and we're still not 100% sure um, whether the show will continue next year. We again want to thank everybody that's messaged us both to let us know that they're really enjoying the show and also to offer to get involved. That's been amazing and we will be back in touch once we've kind of had a bit of a break and time to think it all through. Um, Totally honest, the the financial aspect of the show is still something we need to work a solution on because it does take a huge amount of time between us to put the show together and with extra people involved, we'll ease the workload in many areas but again you've still got to pull that together so we're we're still looking at maybe we set up a patreon and people can subscribe to the show in that way if they want to but um ultimately if we were to have a call tomorrow from a business saying hey we can sponsor the show xyz that would probably help so again any help from a financial perspective if you've got any ideas do drop us a line but for now, we, we're going to have a little break, a bit of a radio silence. We'll still continue with our Twitter account, AFCB Podcast. Um, so we'll still have all the news and love to have chats with you on there. But uh, yeah, who knows what the future holds? Yeah, there is a sponsorship pack on our on our website. And it, it makes me laugh, actually, Sean, because there were a couple of weeks when you was away. And then you came back and then the figures just doubled. And I just thought, this this cannot be right. And then you said, well, it's because I'm back. And I thought there's got to be a problem with Audio Boom. But they actually did. How annoying. You are a loved yes. man, Mr. Barker. But yeah, it's been 
an emotional I... roller coaster. Uh, what we're going to do over the next couple of months, I don't know. There's no football on, so is it going to be bowls? Or am I going to have to get into cricket now? I know the British Lions are playing, so I, I, I can watch a bit of rugby, I suppose, but it's not going to be the same without any football. Yeah, go the All Blacks. Go the. I'm, I'm unashamedly when it comes to the egg-shaped ball. I am very much a New Zealand fan for that because I hated rugby in England. And I just yeah, some people um, give me stick for that, but come on the ABs. But yeah, no, I'll I'll, um, I'll teach you the rules, Sammy. We'll have a we'll have an evening. I'll show you all about uh, get your your rucks and malls around the right <laughs> way and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, and, and the whole figures thing, Sam, I've got a big family. That's all I'll say. A big family that, you <laughs> yeah. know. Thank, thanks, Mom. <laughs> anyway, that's about it for our end of season show. Episode 50 is almost at an end. Um, just special thanks to Michael, all departments, for all the work he did this year with Michael's Merch Report. We really appreciate that. And all of you for lending your ears to us. Enjoy your summer, look after each other, and it won't be long till we'll be back enjoying yet another season of Premier League football with our mighty cherries. But for now, you've been listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Steve Cook with the throw. Swept goalish by Daniels. And back in by Arter. And it's finished by Josh King. Bournemouth bring problems for Liverpool again. They strike Lake again. And Bournemouth are level at Anfield. Podcast Network.